As we continue our sermon series, The Book of Life, we've looked at different chapters in the life of faith. We started off with baptism, where we saw how God begs to differ. We saw a crisis of faith with Hagar and Ishmael, and forgiveness with Joseph and his brothers. And on this 4th of July weekend, we'll explore vocation and what it means for us to be called by God. So let us pray. Dear God, if these words I speak are not your words for your people on this day, may it be forgotten and come to naught. But, O oh God, if these are your words, may it be remembered and stored in the core of our very being. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There are certain moments in life where time seems to stand still. Defining moments that divide history. What once was, no longer is. These moments or benchmarks that divide time. On a larger or national scale, it could be days like yesterday. July 4th, 1776 the date Continental Congress formally adopted the Declaration of Independence, where our colonies were no longer subject to King George and the monarchy of the United Kingdom, where we became free, united, and independent states. Many are hard-pressed to forget the moments of September 11, 2001, when we saw two planes crash into the North and South Tower of the World Trade Center and the patriotism and courage of first responders and civilians coming together for one cause, looking to rescue and recover those affected by 9-11. Not too long ago, there was Colin Kaepernick and the death of George Floyd, causing many in our country to address and confront police brutality and racism. And we currently find ourselves in one of those times, in the midst of a pandemic, where the whole world is having to deal with the coronavirus. It feels so long ago, remembering what life was like before having to wear masks. Then we have these moments that can affect us on a personal level. It might be the day you found out about the death of a loved one, when grief hits us like a semi-truck and our world is turned upside down. It could be the day you and your significant other got married, where vows were exchanged and love uplifted. Perhaps it was a different day, like the day your child was born and your life was changed forever. We're preparing for that day soon. Or maybe perhaps it was a day you were baptized or confirmed dedicating your life to be a follower of Christ. In all these examples, one thing prevails. After all these defining moments, the circumstances have changed and things can't go back to normal, to how it once was or how they were before. Before. 
In our text today, Isaiah has one of those moments. It's a moment that defined the rest of his life and led to his vocation. Isaiah, if you'll remember, lived in Jerusalem during Israel's kingdom period when they still had kings. And as a prophet, he spoke on God's behalf to the leaders of Jerusalem and Judah. He declared a message of God's judgment, warning Israel's corrupt leaders that their rebellion against God would come at a cost. That God would use the great empires of Assyria and Babylon to judge Jerusalem if they persisted in idolatry, injustice, rebellion, and oppression of the poor. But that announcement was also combined with a message of hope. Despite the kingdom of Israel falling victims to the Assyrians and Babylonians, Isaiah believed deeply that God would send a new king from the line of David named Emmanuel. God is with us. And this new king would establish God's kingdom here on earth, out with the old and in with the new. And it's this hope that compelled Isaiah to speak out against the corruption and idolatry of Israel in his day. But before Isaiah starts his prophetic life journey, he has this marvelous encounter with God. He sees the Lord high and exalted on a throne. Not only does he witness the glory of God, but he sees these bird-like creatures, each with six wings, proclaiming the song of holiness, praising our Lord. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Their proclamation so loud, it causes the doorpost and the thresholds to shake. And this wild encounter would cause any person to freak out and tremble. So Isaiah screams, woe to me, I am ruined. He confesses, I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. In response, a seraphim flies over to Isaiah, placing a hot coal on his mouth thus changing his life forever. It was as if he was purified, consecrated, and born anew that day. And when the Lord asks, whom shall I send? Isaiah emphatically responds with, here I am, send me. Life-changing. So God commissions Isaiah. He begins his vocation, proclaiming this coming judgment and message of hope. It wasn't easy, and many didn't listen. But Isaiah trusted in God's plan. But what about us? Many don't have vivid encounters of God like Isaiah. Our vocations aren't as clear. And perhaps you might be asking yourself, 
What is God calling me to do? What does God want from my life? What is my vocation? To answer that, we need to clarify what vocation is because it can get pretty confusing. There are so many words that have come to be synonymous with vocation. Words like calling, career, employment, work, occupation, and job, just to name a few. And according to Osginus, this problem of misinterpretation began hundreds of years ago with the Puritans. So what do we mean by vocation? According to a statement by the General Assembly of our denomination in 1995, vocation is a lifelong response to God in all aspects of one's life. Or as Frederick Buckner describes, vocation is the place where our deep gladness meets the world's deep need. However, I believe there are four criteria when discerning our vocation. First, whatever our vocation is, there needs to be a sense of passion. It needs to be something we value and are passionate about. Something we find meaningful and valuable in our lives. If not, a failure of passion will deflate even the most committed souls. Second, there must be a personal discernment or a discernment of our story, our history, context, and story matters. They're important and must be engaged in the discernment process. We must ask ourselves, what are my gifts, talents, strengths, and interests? And what am I here to do that only I can do? Third, we are to consider the will of God, especially if we are to discern what our Christian vocation is. It's more than just choosing a career. Like Isaiah, we must hear God's voice and be prayerful to receive guidance from the Holy Spirit. Last of all, a well-developed vocation must have longevity and depth. Our vocation should be a lifelong response. In addition, it shouldn't be limited by a specific place or a people group. For example, a medical missionary responding to a call in Nigeria. They may have met all other criteria, but what if they become sick and are brought home prematurely? One's vocation must have longevity and depth. But rather than abandon and reject this mission to Nigeria, what if this person could serve as a medical advocate for African immigrants in the U.S.? Furthering longevity and depth to their vocation. You see, vocation comes together when it combines everything we've experienced, including our pain, our gifts, and that which captures our imagination. Then God says, why don't you use your gifts, your skills, and your story? 
because that's what's going to make you most happy. And who wouldn't want to be part of that adventure? As my time at the Kirk nears its end, many of you have known about my vocation in Army chaplaincy. It's something I'm very passionate about. I look forward to being with soldiers, whether they're in the field, exercising, or doing PT. I look forward to providing pastoral care and support to soldiers in their unique context, whether it's dealing with PTSD, substance abuse, or suicide prevention. It's something I've discerned and wrestled over. Whether God was calling me in this direction or whether this was something my father pushed me into, I know this is what God has called me to do. It's what I've been training for, developing my chaplain identity and honoring both God and country. And God willing, it's something I hope to do for as long as God allows. But I will always look back at the Kirk as one of those defining moments where I was able to develop and grow, where I was able to live into my vocation and the process of becoming, especially as a pastor. And for that, I am forever grateful, Kirk in the Hills. But vocation isn't limited to serving as a pastor or a chaplain. And I hope you'll discern what God is calling you to do in your own story. For you see, our Lord invites us to participate. His patience, love, and compassion is ever-present as he invites, listens, and waits for us to respond, just as he did with his disciples. And we've all been called by God in a defining moment. In the moment of our baptism, where God claimed us as his, just as he did with Isaiah and the burning coal. And like Isaiah, who confesses he is lost and unclean, we will experience crisis of faith, finding ourselves lost and unclean. So we will seek forgiveness, and God will cleanse us, purifying us with the blood of the Lamb, making us whole once again. And as we live into our identity as followers of Christ, pursuing our Christian vocation, my hope and prayer is that we will all enthusiastically volunteer, proclaiming, here I am, Lord, send me. That we would all respond with energetic obedience and passion for all the days of our lives. Amen.